Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> How are you all doing today? By we all, what do you mean? Me? Yeah, you and Scott. Z- Zach Galifianakis right here? Yep. He's looking very Zach galifianakis <laughs> He doesn't see That's it, good. but I do. I still think there needs to be a category that is in between ginger and brown hair. <laughs> because... That's it, called Auburn. There, I, I would take Auburn. I'm an Auburner. But the, <laughs> we, the ginger we, thing is... Re- I, I, am, I, am I Molly this. Ringwald? Is there no yes. difference between me and Molly Ringwald? We discussed this. Well, it was like, like H- Hitler and the Jews. <laughs> it was like Thanks, John. Thank Hitler, you. Hitler and the Jews. And then, you know, if you had a little bit of Jew in you, you were That's Jewish, it. right? That's and it. then that, yeah, you got gassed. My grandma's neighbor wants a babysitter for a Jew, so uh, you're a Jew. Right. That's it. Exactly. Uh, great. There you go. And, uh, you know, I would say you're a little more than, uh, you know, slightly ginger there. You got the full ginger going on. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, I had not realized how um, ginger biased the U.K. tends to be. I was reading some articles <laughs> over the weekend on uh, the BBC. Yeah. And uh, I, I had no idea. I mean, it's it's almost like it's almost like. 1950s, you know, calling out blacks on the streets kind of thing here. I mean, what it would have been here <laughs> uh, like. They don't like them? What, what do they think, uh, you know, a ginger is well, what? It, Why don't they like them? It, it's really, I, from what I read, I, you know, I haven't been there yet, but it's almost like a uh, racial uh, degradation, you know, uh, Pollocks or, you know, whatever, well. you know. Whatever kind of you if know. Scott is any example, they are inferior, <laughs> you know, specimens of the human race. They, they think they're dumb, John. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, like, like I think it was like Jessica Chastain was quoted as having some carload of guys, you know, pull up and yell "stupid ginger" at her. Oh, you know, really? she's walking down the street in London. It's really? like what? Wow, you know. Yeah, somehow I think John's full of crap. He, he doesn't know what he's, what he's talking about. You know, it's it's what I read, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable to me, so I'm sure and, I've probably got it wrong. Yes, you've, you've, read, you've read this on the internet, and so, so it's well, true. Well, on, on an official news site, you know, blog. Yes. Well, Bevo just did the hand across her throat thing and was mouthing no soul. So maybe I mean that comes right. from somewhere. So you know, <laughs> there is some some uh, some uh, truth to it. I mean, this is uh, this is all matter of fact. Uh huh. What know, does this have to do with beer? This is just conjecture. This is this is true. Well, <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if Scott's any example, maybe, but, you know. Thank you. Right. No, I've, I've spent a considerable amount of time in England uh, and in London, and I've never heard anybody uh, in any way say anything about anybody with red hair. Oh, good. Okay. And uh, in general, uh, I think, you know, it is quite a uh, modern urban city with people from all over the world there, and I see nothing but tolerance uh, in general so hmm. okay. i don't see anything of course you know if you go down there with your flaming red head now uh-huh. your flaming red beard yeah i mean you know you'll probably you know you'll probably run into some problems i just so. want you i just want you to know how misleading it is because when i meet listeners they go uh-huh. what the hell you're not a ginger they, they're very confused oh please they're trying to be nice okay it's like saying oh, you're 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 not that that retarded i mean you know <laughs> Just mild downs. Yeah. Uh, you know, you yeah. barely know. Right. Uh-huh. You know, you seem like you can function. You're high functioning for a ginger, aren't you? I guess so. Right? Is that what they say? Don't you guys have some beer questions to answer? <laughs> Christ's sake. <laughs> hey, you brought it up. I I didn't say a thing. I I think we could go back. <laughs> I brought it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want me to go to the tape? I, I, I mean, it'll take me a minute, but I'll pull it. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably take you more than a minute. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> I think that, I think that it's uh yeah yeah I I'm sure I didn't bring it up I think it was somebody else it was John or who God knows yeah who are you looking at me for host man no uh, well hey I'll tell you I'll tell you you could probably settle this argument our good friend uh, John Blickman there you go you know John. he's he's probably seen his fair share he could look at you and and right off the bat he'd be like oh yeah. He, he, he he'll yeah. point you out. So yeah. he has no credibility. Oh, he's I got think lots he may of credibility. Have been a former ginger, really. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Um, I'm just, I can't recall what color his hair is, and there's not much of it left. So, right, it's kind of like a kind of a black and gray. Doesn't yeah. he, doesn't he build? He builds products that are way too good for him to be a ginger. <laughs> Right, he builds <laughs> products with soul. Right, he, so he can't be. Right, so he can't be. Now, uh, Blickman Engineering, check him out on, on the web. Uh, Blickman with two N's, engineering with like an E and a G or something, and a dot com. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's got uh, lots of great innovations, uh, like, well, like we like to say, uh, innovating your brew day. He's got all sorts of goodies there. Check it out on, on the web, and if you're going to the Homebrews Conference. Uh, next one's coming up in San Diego. I'll be there. John will be there. Yep. Uh, sure. Probably Scott will be there. And you can see for yourself how freaking red his head is. Just be prepared not to recognize me. When you, when you, the guy, the <laughs> yeah, guy yeah. with the brown hair, that's me. The guy that looks like Zach Galifianakis, except for a little shorter and a little dumpier. Okay. <laughs> that's Scott. So check, check out. But let's get back to Blickman Engineer. Check him out at yeah. the uh, at the conference in San Diego. Great Say guys. hi, great guy. Yeah, you know, thank him for uh, sponsoring the show for for oh these many years. All right, today, uh, what we thought we we get a lot of uh, questions. We we had uh, Ken Anthony on um, I don't know six months or so ago, fourteen, 14 months ago. No way, over a year. Wow. Oh my God! All right, wow. so fourteen months ago. How time flies when you're having fun. That and he, he talked about his new uh, new uh, nano brewery opening, and we talked about, uh, and he was uh, telling us how. Uh, how you know he did like eighteen hour brew days and everything, and, and 
Now, uh, 14 months later, we thought it'd be interesting to catch up with, with Ken, find out how things are going. A lot of you uh, want to, uh, uh, you know, start your own breweries and you're you're looking at the model that ken did uh starting out with you know the smaller you know almost homebrew size equipment and going from there and i think he has some some interesting perspective now you know 14 months later what uh what do you do differently what uh what worked well for him so uh, we thought it'd be quite quite interesting and useful to to catch up how's it going ken thanks for joining us well thanks for having me jamil um Absolutely. Uh, a lot of perspective has been gained in 14 months, I can tell you that. <laughs> Hindsight is, is wonderful. It sure is. Well, we, um, we've grown quite a bit in 14 months, and uh, most notably our, our brew plant size has, has increased from mm-hmm. uh, the, the four 55-gallon Blickmans that we started with. Um, although they worked you know, quite well, they, they made for a very long day. Right, you were you were brewing in the fifty-five gallon, and you were doing about a barrel and a half, and doing two brews in a day to make uh, three barrels a word or worse. We were we were knocking out about thirty-one, thirty-two gallons a batch. Okay. So we had to do three, three, three batches. Brews. Yeah, we used four tanks so we could you know, we could move the boil over to the whirlpool and mash in mm-hmm. uh, the next one, or we could louder over the next one. It, it you know it cut a few hours off, but in in general, it's sixteen to 18 hours a day depending on on the boil length to get three barrels of beer to get three barrels of beer now we have a um a hun- not even a hundred gallons of beer correct but now we can now we can knock out about 110 mm-hmm. in one shot mm-hmm. and we have two seven barrel fermenters all right um jacketed stainless chilled fermenters and so why did you better. why did you go to that? I mean, why what was what was the problem with just doing uh, you know three barrels and in a one torturous long day? Well, the key word there is torture. We you know it, it was too much work mm-hmm. uh, to sustain it. It worked you know for the for the temporary period of time that we used that system. It worked, but you know a few months into the into the game, we quickly saw we couldn't produce enough beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was too much work. Too much labor, too much effort. It was far too exhausting for what we got out of it. So we had to move to a system where we could knock out three, three and a half barrels at a time. And so we did that with the, the same fermenters for, for several months, probably six or eight more months like that. And then we've just added two uh, seven-barrel fermenters, mm-hmm. replacing two of our three-barrel fermenters. And then we are putting in another order here shortly for two more seven-barrel fermenters. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, I recall... Uh, you know, a, f- a few months into it, you know, uh, seeing you and and it it looked to me honestly <laughs> as if every time I saw you, you were about to cry. Yeah, that <laughs> I mean, sounds about right. There, there, there may have been moments where I, wa- where I wandered around my brewery during a brew day sobbing. Right. I mean, it, 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 it happened a couple times. It, it it looked to me like you're always just on on the verge of a breakdown. I mean, when you're when you're doing that much labor. It's, you know, and it's, you know, and I think the thing that, that people miss when they're going to open a brewery is they don't realize all the other stuff that goes around with it. It's not just brewing beer. Brewing beer is maybe 10, 20 percent of what you do. So think of it this way. If, you know, 18 hour a day to get 100 gallons of beer is... A twenty, you know, or a ten percent thing for you, and that all that math works out uh, fine. But really, 
you know, think about all the rest of the stuff. You've got, you know, um, uh, you know, many multiples. You've got, a, you know, if you're doing 20 hours uh, and that's 20 <clears> percent, <throat> you know, you've got 100 hour weeks. No. That's the minimum right there. You're doing a hundred hour week every week. Did you ever That's ha- every day? Did you ever have to dump a batch? I can only imagine after all that. No, oh, no, man, we have not. Go. We haven't lost a batch yet. That's good fortune and good skill, I guess. Right? Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that because now it's just a matter of time. <laughs> if we jinxed it. Go ahead. Dan, I want to back up a sec. I mean, um, you know, were you from? What was your demand like from your customers? I mean, uh, were you brewing, you know, were you doing this uh, one uh, one barrel batch every day? Um, were you doing it, you know, two times a week, three times a week? Or, you know, what was uh, what was your demand like initially? And then how long, you know, how long was it before that started ramping up and changing for you? Well, we brewed um, three barrel batches twice a week. So we did three one barrels in a day, and then we did three one barrels the next day. And it was Tuesday and Wednesday, so those were the, you know, Jamil probably saw me on a Thursday. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, when, we first, when we first got going, it was last summer, summer 2013. And we were selling uh, six doles, five, five and a half or five-gallon kegs out uh, to, uh, to retailers. And that was okay. We were we were making enough beer. We had a we had you know a handful of accounts. They were happy. The customers were liking the beer. But as soon as we opened up that tap room in November, then it became a huge problem. But that was right around the time that we'd brought in the three and a half barrel system. So we knew we knew okay, we're barely making enough beer to supply accounts. Now when we open up this tap room, it's only going to get worse, and it did. And we found even with the three barrel system, three and a half barrel system that we have. Uh, it wasn't enough beer. So then we began immediately trying to save up um, for, you know, we wanted to buy four seven-barrel fermenters, but with, you know, with the cost of those guys, we were able to buy two, and uh, now we're working towards buying two more. But it, the demand just blew the initial system away. We couldn't possibly keep up. But even, you know, uh, you know look at it this way. So here's 100 gallons of beer. Took you, you know, 18 hours to produce. And you go ahead and sell that beer in your tasting room. Let's say, you know, you retail it all and you're getting, you know, five bucks a pint, maybe six bucks a pint. And there you go. You've made $500, you know, or 600 bucks for that amount of work. Plus, then there's your ingredients. There's your electricity. There's your rent. There's your water. There's, you know. Uh, you know, buying yourself uh, top ramen so you don't starve to death. You know, it's insane. That's you know, for me, that's the definition of insanity. Well, it wasn't five hundred bucks, Jamil. It was more about thirty five hundred bucks <laughs> or thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, for all right, for three barrels of beer. Oh, three barrels at of retail, beer, yeah. right? Um, no, and I think I think what we're getting at here is that um, is that Jamil told me so. And uh, there you go. And it, it, it's true. Um, Jamil did tell me so. And we've been working very hard to grow out of it. Um, I certainly don't uh, call Device a nano brewery anymore because we are producing uh, far more beer than what I think most people consider to be a nano brewery. But we certainly are on the lowest end of of a, of a microbrewery. But it's um, it's very difficult to produce uh, two two hundred gallons a week mm-hmm. and have that 
support the business as well as um, provide a paycheck for those who have interest in the business. Mm -hmm. You say very difficult. You mean impossible, don't you? Like, how could you possibly do it? The only way to possibly do it is if you did everything yourself. Because as soon as you employ people, as soon as you bring in labor costs, then the whole thing will start to blow up. And you can't really do it yourself, can you? It's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. If, you know, if you had, if you had some, you know, a couple of 21 year old kids, you know, sons living at home and you exchange labor for a place to stay and food and car insurance, I suppose if you had maybe two sons at home that were 21 and 23 and they, they weren't going to school and didn't have a job and they just wanted to work in the brewery and you could put them to work as free labor, then I suppose you could do it. But doing it all by yourself, and I, and I get, ever since last August when, when we did the first Brew Strong episodes, I get emails weekly, sometimes a couple a week, people saying, hey, I listened to your episodes, I'm getting ready to do exactly what you did, and I always sit down and spend about 30 or 40 minutes writing an email email back telling them, look, you know, you're going to need to go bigger. And, and, and I was told that I needed to go bigger, but, but I didn't listen. And I, I try to, I try to, you know, really reiterate that to people. How'd you justify it in your head of not going bigger at the time? Like, Hey, I just can't afford it. And I want to yeah. get started now. Right. Yeah. I just can't, af- I just can't afford it. I'm trying not to, um, to take on investors, which we didn't. And we were trying to do it on our own dime. And it's thick-headedness. You know, you can, you can talk yourself into just about anything. Um, but then when the rubber hits the road and the realities start to uh, set in, you go, oh, wow, this, is, this isn't going to work for very long. I've got I've to produce more beer. And we're still you know, constantly thinking of ways that we can expand organically and produce more beer. Now, if you had it to do over again, would you have worked your regular job longer, saved up a little more money, bought yourself a, a three-and-a-half-barrel uh, kit or gone into insurance sales. It's you know started out with uh, you know the the smaller size because there's people starting with uh, like 15 gallon, 20 gallon. I was talking to somebody. It's like yeah, we got a 15 gallon system, and each of us is going to brew you know uh, one day a week. And I'm like, people are freaking insane. You know, and uh, how are you paying for your building? Oh well, you know it's kind of a hobby. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a hobby. Uh, you know, people losing their freaking minds. Well, to answer your question, if if we had it to do all over again, um, and this is what I tell people that, that email me, and, and like I said, it's a lot of people um, who are trying to do the same thing. I I tell them, if you if you say to yourself you can't afford to go a little bit bigger, then you shouldn't do this at all. Because it is so capital intensive, mm-hmm. the working capital you have to maintain at all times. The, the the checks that we that we write week after week after week are huge, and you if you don't have the money to go from uh, three thousand bucks for four Blickmans and some burners to say ten thousand bucks for a couple of larger kettles and a hot water heater for your for your HLT you're going to find that it's going to get tougher down the road because if you can't afford that differential. Yeah, you you're gonna have you're in big trouble. You don't have enough capital. You don't have enough capital. That's that's the bottom line. Let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll hear about some of those checks you've you've had to write, and and what are the things that people aren't thinking about when it comes to cash flow. All right, we'll be back uh, with that right after this. 
from the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand. Most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Introducing Clarity Firm from White Labs, an amazing tool for pro brewers and home brewers. Clarity Firm is an endoprotease that will reduce chill haze and increase the stability of your beer and produces gluten-reduced beer. Clarity Firm is easy to use. Just add it when you pitch your yeast, and Clarity Firm will do its work during fermentation. When fermentation is complete, chill haze will already have been addressed. In addition, reduce the gluten content in beers made with barley and wheat with Clarity Firm. Most beers made with Clarity Firm will test below 20 parts per million, the current international standard for gluten-free. Better looking and more stable beer with the added benefit of reduced gluten so you can pour your beer for more friends and customers. Why wouldn't you use Clarity Firm? Clarity Firm from White Labs. The reasons are crystal clear. Learn more at whitelabs.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact rain bills. 
Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com. I'm Jason Harris, and I approve this message. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're enjoying uh, some lovely beers here at the uh, Hop Grenade in lovely downtown Concord. Uh, And we're talking with Ken uh, Anthony from Device Brewing in Sacramento, California, about uh, his experience going from... You know, the essentially the nano that, you know, everybody thinks they're going to start with, which which worked fine. It's just like you're saying, you know, perhaps unsustainable or, you know, in that it's not just that. I, I think people envision, oh, they'll buy the equipment, they get a couple of sacks of grain, they'll brew some beer, sell it, and they're off and running. And then, you know, what, what other kind of expenses have you come across that – were you know substantial that you didn't think it's like oh my god you know i need more ca- working capital for for something like this the list goes on and on um you have to put down surety bonds mm-hmm. and you have to put down down payments for your liability and brewery insurance um, these are things you don't think about um you know insurance all- for for a brewery and for serving a place that serves alcohol is actually fairly substantial a lot of times. It is, and they and you don't just pay uh, one twelfth of your annual premium up front. You have to pay, I think it's twenty percent down of your annual premium plus your first month. Yeah, some of them will do like you know you could pay half now and half in six months. You know, but yeah, you're paying a good chunk of change. And we wrote a lot of checks that um, that we didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much would you say? You know, people need what, what's the cash buffer for a for a nano brewery working capital yeah like another uh, 10 grand for, for no you, 25 or thirty thousand mm. would be good mm-hmm. to, to operate with i mean if yeah you'd be you'd you'd be living a scary world if you had about if you only had 10 mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. work with that would that would be because you get your rent coming due and people are like well you know i'll sell beer and yeah you know you brew the beer it takes you know, a couple of weeks at least for the beer to be ready. And, you know, you've already paid for the ingredients. You got to buy the ingredients ahead of time. You got to pay your rent ahead of time. You got all the stuff ahead of time. And then the beer starts rolling. And the problem with that is, you know, it takes a while to sell the beer and get the cash in. That's well, yeah. the, the single biggest mistake businesses of all kinds make is a lack of working capital. I mm-hmm. know it's cliche, but it, it is right. wisdom that cannot be said often enough. Mm-hmm. That's true. Cooperage is expensive. You mm-hmm. have to buy a certain number of kegs. Just gotta have something to put the beer. Gotta into. have something to put the beer into, and then you'll also find that a lot of your wholesale accounts expect thirty days, and that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. If you drop off your beer, you might not see a check for a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, certain certain states, it's a, a COD type of thing. I think uh, uh, Oregon, it's COD. You, you know, if you if you deliver the beer, you have to collect. In California, they allow thirty days, and so what happens is. Everybody expects 30 days. And then out of a collection of retailers that you give the 30 days to, a portion of them will be deadbeats. Well, either will pay you very late or will never pay you at all because their business is so poorly run that they don't have the money to pay you. And that is, you know, I think far more frequent in 
you know, the, the beer bar business than it is in the brewing business. But I tell you people, and you'll think to yourself, well, maybe, you know, my supplier will extend me 30 days. Generally, no. They, they want their cash before because they've dealt with plenty of deadbeats <laughs> and they want their cash up front. Yeah, it's it's a you know so you got to come up with the money first. You got to you know run through the whole thing and then you know then you get paid. Then wait thirty days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The grain the grain arrives after we pay, and we pay for our grain up front. Uh, we pay for our hops up front. We pay for our yeast up front. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I mean even your even your electricity bill uh, in a small brewery you know refrigerators are expensive to run, mm-hmm. and so. These are these are things that you just can't you can't even imagine how expensive they get. I mean, even the nickel and dime stuff. You walk you you walk into a brewery, look around, look at all the little fittings, look at all the hoses, look at the gaskets, look at you know a gasket can cost you a dollar a piece. Mm-hmm. You know the the a clamp is like three fifty for one tri clamp, mm-hmm. just the clamp. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the that's not the fifty five or sixty dollar butterfly valve that you're looking at too. It's not the thirteen dollars a foot hose. It's not the, you know, the $60 pail of chemicals, and you need a lot of those chemicals to keep the place clean. Mm-hmm. So just you know, really, really, there's, it's, unless you've worked in a brewery previously, it would be very difficult to be able to itemize everything you're going to need. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the nano brewers that, that go into it, like myself, um, I came from an engineering background. I was working in a cubicle designing bridges. I was not working in a, um, in a functional commercial brewery. And a lot of these um, uh, folks that I talked to who are trying to open up an Annabury didn't either. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, you know, it also goes in that, um, you know, when you're buying your ingredients, when you're buying your, your, your malt, buying your hops, buying your chemicals, stuff like that, a lot of times you're not getting the best pricing either because you're buying in small quantities. Your cost of shipping is pretty much the same as when you're buying in large quantities, but you know, it's costing you more per barrel for the shipping, for the ingredients, for all that. So your margins are dropping just, just off of that as well. Uh, you know, there's a real economy of scale. I'm dealing with a, a dis- distributor uh, and been talking to them about, uh, you know, selling our beers. And uh, I gave them our pricing and they said, well, you know, Sierra Nevada and Lagunitas and, you know, they have, you know, this kind of pricing. I'm like, Yeah. Because they make more than a thousand times the quantity of beer we make, you know, like two thousand times the quantity of beer we make. So, how do you expect us to have the same price? Like, well, you know, but that's what the you know. I'm like, well, you know, it's just not going to work then because I can't sell my beer for a loss. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, if you don't see a premium in what you're doing, you're in real trouble. But I have the price in my head that I want to pay. Right. This is what I want right. to pay. Right. Absolutely. I understand. That is, that is, uh, and, I, and then I changed tack to, uh, well, you know, if, uh, if you want to go ahead and cut your, your profit down, you know, then maybe we could make that price happen. No, no. I've only, uh, I've really only met one distributor that was willing to adjust their pricing to, uh, uh, help us meet a price point on the shelf. They were willing to take a little bit less margin. We took less margin. They took less margin. And we made the price point happen. What, what do you think it was about that distributor? Were they fans of you? No, just, you know, uh, 
logic and reality. It's like I was taking the bigger hit, but you know they're like, okay, we can take a little bit, you know, of a hit, so we can you know move some more volume. I wonder so, why it's just the, just the one. It's just weird to have one exception like that. <laughs> a lot of them, you know, and I'm not, uh, you know, <clears throat> a lot of distributors. The the reason that they're successful is they work on the numbers. A lot of times, you know, they they're very cognizant of what it costs to deliver the beer, their spoilage, their waste, their employee costs, all those little costs. You know, they got to run a fine tuned business. You know, and then on top of it. They need to be passionate about beer, all that stuff. But on the under, underpinning, it's running an efficient business. It's like here. You're not going to succeed being passionate about beer. You're going to succeed here by running an efficient business. What? By having, <laughs> I know. It's disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, but by having somebody who watches the numbers, watches the employee costs, watches you know the breakage, the spoilage, the free pours, all that stuff, You know that's really where the business is made. You know, the rest of the stuff is just what, you know, makes things exciting and maybe draws some people in. So, Ken, how far is your beer getting? So, speaking of this place, I mean, could we have your beer on? Are you selling it all through the tap room? We don't distribute too far out of the Sacramento area. Um, we self-distribute. So, if anybody gets beer from us that's not in our normal delivery area, then they typically will come pick up the beer, drop off their empties, and, you know, it's, that's how it works. Could you sell all your beer through the tap room? Not anymore. At first, the the answer to that would be absolutely. We we did. We we would literally be blowing the last keg of something as it the new batch of it was being kegged. Um, we were just right on a knife edge. Since we've been able to you know increase our production, we're we're selling a lot more beer out in in uh, kegs. Um, but no, we don't sell one hundred percent of our beer in the tap room. Well, and also it allows you to not brew as often and spend as much time brewing and gives you time to do a lot of the other things, which are very important to the business, like, you know, ensuring you have a supply of materials, ensuring, you know, you've got employees to work the tap room, ensuring that you're fixing all those things that break, you know, uh, you know, all that stuff. It takes an inordinate amount of time in order to do it. Keeping track of your books, too. Yeah, the books, you know, your tax payments come up. There's another thing that you need cash for. You know, you need to be able to pay all your tax bills when when they come due as well. So what do you guys think would be more, if you had to pick one, that would enable you to have success running a brewery? Going to, say, Siebel or going to just business school? I always say business school. Go to business school. You know, brewing, you can learn by listening to the stuff like uh, Dr. Homebrew on the Brewing Network. You know, that's a, that's a fine show. It's every uh, Thursday. Are they doing weekly shows? Yeah, uh, they're, they're doing, uh, yeah, they're doing bi-weekly. bi-weekly. And so mostly, two shows a month? Mostly Thursday, sometimes Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice show. They got uh, they go over uh, different beers, and uh, people send them in. They, they kind of judge them there and talk about, you know, what could be made better and you know, stuff like that. I think that's a great education, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, again, brewing is just a small portion of it. I think uh, the business part is much harder. Unless you're already an expert in business, then go, you know, go to go to Siebel or UC Davis or wherever. So you can practice brewing, but you can't really practice running a business. Excellent point. Thank on you. that bombshell, let's take a break. Short one this time. We'll take a short one. We'll be back right after this. A few things happened 30 years ago. 
ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more, Zymergy Magazine, and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. I still don't understand that. Why? Why? Why the disgusting? I. It yeah. just does. I. I don't understand that one. It should be invigorating. Stimulating. <laughs> Stimulating. There you go. Turgidizing. Exfoliating. Maybe that's just the problem, is all the things that you think are all of those things are, yes. point of fact, disgusting to the audience. <laughs> the things that make me yeah. turgid are disgusting? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. There yeah. you go. I, I they make think, you cloudy? Now I understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, turbidity, yeah. yes. Okay. Just listen to the guy with the filtered voice. He's always right. <laughs> <laughs> one thing you learn in radio. There you go. All right. <laughs> Uh, Ken, during the break, we were talking about uh, 
uh, you know, the the fact of, uh, you know, people are, you know, in some way, in order to go into business, you got to have a little bit of blinders on. You got to have to say to yourself, I have faith this is going to work. Despite all the other businesses around me I see closing, I am too am going to open up a cupcake store. I too am going to open up a flavored popcorn store in the most expensive retail location possible. I too am going to open up a store that sells nothing but flip flops. There. <laughs> where, where, I'd, be, I'd be your biggest customer, by the way. Where was I? At the flip flop store, I was walking with my daughter. I think it was, uh, I think it was in Denver, maybe. Seriously? Yeah, there's a store that sells nothing but flip flops. Was that the name of it? No, it's it's like some brand of flip flops, and it's like Rainbow. I don't know. It's like twenty five dollars for a set of flip flops, and that's all they sell. Wow. Are you sure you weren't in Pacific Beach? No, Denver. It, it was like in Denver or something. It was somewhere where it just did not make any sense whatsoever. I'm like, really? So when it's snowing, what is it that you're selling out of this? I mean, what kind of volume do you think you're going to do? I mean, you know, it's just insane. Well, they, they, they just kill it in July and August. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, maybe. It's really weird. Maybe. Denver. They make their nut in July. I'm just saying. Maybe at the airport. No, no. This was this was in a in a town somewhere, and then uh, you know it's the same thing. I like flavored popcorn. I could pretty much shake salt onto my own popcorn, and <laughs> I I think I could you know figure out other flavorings. If I want cinnamon popcorn, I think I could work the cinnamon shaker. I think I got it. You know, no problem. I could have it fresh at home. You know, I'm not gonna pay like you know five bucks for a little bag of flavored popcorn. So what made you so damn special, Ken? I think that's the right, question. right. No, but so anyways, <laughs> I. I digress. The jury's still out. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was uh, saying you got to have some, you know, a belief that what you're going to do is going to succeed against the odds. You're going to have this success, but you know what's the problem that people run into with that, Ken? Well, the the reality is, and, and this applies to me too. People don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear anything. That's contrary to what they're dreaming. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to style it on uh, Fridays. <laughs> hmm? So he does, this is like Scott and I want to hear the truth about uh, his, his true soullessness. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, people don't want to hear the truth. I didn't want to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to hear, you know, when I, when I first t- told Jamil uh, the, the, the size of the brewery and what we were going to produce, he just kind of went, oh, that's not going to be enough beer. Right. And in my mind, I was going, well, he's probably right, but I don't want to believe that he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he or pro- it's just hope that you can succeed despite that. Right. Yeah, you did. We found some other, some other angle, you know. But I try to tell people, we get emails all the time at Device Brewing. They say, we're going to do what you did. And, and my response is very, very, um, I don't want to say boilerplate, but it typically ends with, look, you had at that volume of beer, you had better have one crack in tap room mm-hmm. all the time. Because if you don't, you will not pay the bills selling it out in kegs. All right. At that right. volume. Forget about it. Well, and I understand people think I'm an idiot, so they don't listen to the advice I give. So that that makes sense to me. But I'm telling you, every once in a while, even a blind squirrel fi- finds an acorn every now and then. 
So uh, every once in a while, I am speaking the truth. You know, it's just like the monkeys on the typewriter thing. Every once in a while, I, I, I've got some piece of advice that works. And I'll tell you, you know, just like uh, you and I, talk, I run into people all the time and they're like, well, we're going to do this. And, you know, we're going to brew on a homebrew system. And I've got my, you know, 20, 20 gallon Blickman and. Hey, great thing for making homebrew, but not for commercial business. Oh, no, no. It's proof of concept, and we're going to do this. So you're leasing a building, and you're doing all this stuff, and then you're going to do your proof of concept. You know, you're going to run out of money. You're going to go in the in the crapper. And, and they're like, nah. They figure that I just don't know what I'm talking about, or, you know, I haven't seen the vision. And that's fine. Again, like, you, you got to go into your your flip-flop store with you know your sense that you're gonna you're gonna make it work against everybody telling you no but when everybody's telling you no you got to step back and say okay how can we let's not give up on our dream but let's adjust our dream uh so it makes a little more sense and so you know 80 percent or 90 percent of people are saying yes that's gonna work all those business people that you know have gone to business school actually have some some concept that is going to work or some faith in it well, our little cupcake shop is still open. Right, right, right. And, well, Ken, Ken, what did you yeah. do right, in your opinion, that made this work? That's that, a good le- that really helped you succeed against these odds? Well, we, first of all, we, we can only thank the, the greater Sacramento area craft beer community. With, and we, we try to let our customers know face to face every opportunity we get how much we appreciate them driving to our location, coming in, sitting down, having a couple of beers, picking up a growler. If without that, we, we wouldn't be here. I'd be sitting here telling you how we went out of business. And um, But you can't count on that, right? You cannot so, count I on mean, that. What, and I think, again, John's question is very good. I what think, did we do right? What did you do specifically? What, what actions did you take? That made that happen. Well, opening in the in the okay. in the right place, well, right location. We, we were yeah. we were in a good location for it. We were extremely low overhead. Uh, kept your costs first, down. Kept our costs down. I did all the labor myself. My wife and I worked the tap room by ourselves. Um, we we really just kept our costs very very low mm-hmm. and put in a ton of labor. Ton of labor, but I gotta I gotta think that um, we came out of the gate with um, with a high quality product. And I think without that, if we had had to, you know, go through those growing pains or, oh, they'll figure it out, you know, we may not have had enough time to figure it out. We had to come out swinging. And um, thankfully, the transition from, uh, you know, 20-gallon batches to 100-gallon batches wasn't that difficult. Uh, the, 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 the recipes scaled fairly uh, easily. Um, the beer came out in 100-gallon batches tasting the same way it did on our pilot batches. So you know, we, we brought good beer. We, we, we brought beer that people wanted to drink. We didn't say, hey, we're going to do you know, nothing but these abstract beers. And that's and that's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. No, we came out with IPAs. Well, we came out with pale ales. We came out with stouts. Now here's another you know uh, business model. This is uh, uh, you know uh, the Rare Barrel uh, Jay from the Rare Barrel. He does the uh, Sour Hour Indeed show does. on the Brewing yeah. Network, and uh, it's a great show. He talks about uh, uh, you know everything sour, and the guy really knows it. They, they win GABF medals. He's uh, uh, you know, uh, super intelligent and, and nice guy. They came out with a concept of, and here's and here's something where you know, 
somebody's doing something different. They've got a vision for doing something different, and uh, you know their vision was we're not going to own a brew plant. We're going to just have you know masses of barrels and some fermenters. And what they do is they get their wort produced at you know various breweries at Heretic. We make wort for them. They take it in a truck and uh, they put it into their fermenters. They ferment it and then they put it in their barrels and sour it, and that's it. So they don't they don't have that half a million dollars for a brew, brew plant. They just go around. They pay in a little bit more for making wort than they would have if they got the brew plant. But you know that's a, a big nut to to, to take on. Uh, you know, buying a, a thirty five barrel brew plant. So uh, uh, that was their um, you know kind of change to things. And you know, when I heard it, I'm like, awesome idea, absolutely excellent. You know, and I think everybody that they talked to probably came across with, okay, that's a great idea. Had, you know, people been telling them, you know, no, 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 then maybe they'd, you know, they would have looked at it differently. But I think, you know, part of their, you know, success, they did it differently, but they had a concept that that actually worked. They looked at the numbers instead of looking at just, oh, we're going to make great beer and people are going to buy it. You got to look at the numbers like you're saying, hold your costs down. You know, they held their costs down by not buying the brew plant. They could get one later on. You know, they don't have to, they didn't have to do that to get started with what they were doing. And save themselves quite a bit of capital, and we're able to start at a much larger volume. So I think that you know things like that, being creative like that, I think it's uh, a great way to go. And if you want to hear more creative stuff like that from uh, Jay, I'm sure he's talking about that on the uh, the uh, Sour Hour. Yes, sir. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. We do one a month. Next one's coming up uh, this Wednesday, October 22nd, 5 p.m. Pacific. Very cool. All right, let's take uh, one last short break, and when we come back. Um, answer any questions that we got and uh, wrap up with Ken right after this. Now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World? Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jamil Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouthfeel. So, so, that's just a crazy dream. Or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home brewing goods for the future. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. 
Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2014, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit DanStarYeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter, so get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at DanStarYeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and Enter to win. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, lessons learned from, from device brewing over the past 14 months. You know, what, you know, what have you learned, Ken? What, what key takeaway should people have from your experience? What... Uh, what should they be, you know, foremost in their mind before they, they jump into this? Have plenty of cash and know how to run a business uh, tight. Um, we are still learning, but we've got a better handle on it than we did a year ago. Mm-hmm. And every month we come up with um, ways to, to tighten up the ship. Mm-hmm. As it were, because it's you know little things here and there are little things, but but you sum them all up and they they sum up to a lot, mm-hmm. and and that's really it's the biggest thing to take away is you got to have plenty of cash, and you've got to know how to run a, a business um, very tight. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, you know we run into the, the many of the same issues, and and one of the things that always happens to me is I make some sort of decision or go down some path. And then a little later on, I realized, nope, that wasn't the thing to do, or that was a waste of money, or I should have done it this way. This would have been better. And there's always something that I've I've screwed up on. And you know, luckily, 
you know, we've got enough cash flow that it doesn't sink us or it's not so such a big issue that, you know, it didn't, you know, cause too much trouble. But all those little, you know, you get all these little setbacks that you didn't expect, you know, expenses that, you know, I'm sure when you guys built out the hop grenade, there are expenses that just popped up and like out of nowhere, it's like, well, no way did I think of think that this would happen, right? You know, there's always some extra demand on your on your cash yeah and they're big oftentimes too it's like oh the, we owe the city twenty six hundred dollars for a sewer connection fee because mm-hmm. we took off one pipe and attached another it's, huh right and it's not right. small amount of money right right now how about you ken what what mistakes did you make that people shouldn't make or that you you know what 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 would you do differently well the biggest mistake i think was was not waiting until we could afford um, at least a three-barrel brew plant and, and seven-barrel fermenters. Mm-hmm. It, we, we're still recovering from that mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it slowed you down. It, it, it took, took, a, took years off your life. Yeah, my, my hairline's receding. <laughs> <laughs> Both above and below. <laughs> so is it, like, is it like being president opening a brewery? You just go gray within four years just automatically? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that uh-huh. sounds about right. Ken, how much time were you spending at the brewery last year? I mean, oh, uh, each day. My wife could wife. probably my wife could probably answer that question better than I could. But it was you know it was anywhere from you know, ten or twelve hours on a regular day where I was in there doing just normal cellaring and cleaning and, and running the tap room to you know sixteen hour days, eighteen hour days brewing. Um, there was really no days off. We have employees now. Um, I've got one heck of a crew. Uh, right now, I've got a guy who's uh, brewing about half the beer, um, and he's I've trained him up. He's doing it the way I want it done. He's doing an a- absolutely outstanding job. Uh, we've got great taproom staff, people that are knowledgeable about beer and friendly and doing a great job. Um, so I am actually spending more and more time in my home office running a business than I am connecting hoses. What about in those, in those days when you guys were, you and your wife were working the taproom and you were doing all the labor yourself? How did it affect your relationship? I mean, and I'm assuming, you know, I ask because it's a personal question, forgive me, but a, a lot of people, you know, are married or in relationships that are thinking about doing this. And, you know, that's no small factor to think about. Sure. Uh, it, it didn't it didn't negatively affect us. Um, and Melissa and I have been married almost 15 years now. So um, I don't know if it would have killed us early on. It might have. Um, just, just that kind of stress. But um, you know, we've 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 you know reinforced our marriage over the years to to be pretty bulletproof. Um, but you know, it's it's tough, you know. And 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 I think that she and I were in it together. It was you know we were we were united on the same accord. We 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 had the same vision. So we were both laboring and toiling towards the same common goal. It wasn't like I had a wife at home who was who was telling me all along, "Don't do this. You're crazy. You're going to ruin the the family." Um, I had a wife who was, you know, uh, beside me and, and, and definitely supporting what we were doing. Does that does that um, translate to individual decisions too, like you know, aesthetic decisions and whatever? Did you guys mostly agree on everything? Absolutely, um, and she's she's a great plumb line. Uh, if I, I I get excited about these ideas and then I take them to her, and, and she's sometimes the voice of reason. You're very fortunate. Then it yeah. sounds like you got you got off pretty pretty easy in that regard. If easy might not be the right word, but sure, I was definitely fortunate. Yeah, there's nothing like getting off easy <laughs> with your wife. <laughs> with your wife, yeah. <laughs> whoever, whoever it might be. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, did we have any questions from the chat? And I also ne- neglected to uh, mention that when you listen live, oh, yeah. you can call in 888-401-BEER, 888-401-2337. If you like this show, make sure to uh, check out our sponsors like adamandeve.com. Oh, yeah. Where you could get uh, use the offer code uh, uh, Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. You get one item... Uh, at uh, half price, you get three free adult DVDs from categories such as Animal Amateur Asian, Big Butts, Big Butts, Bisexual, Junkie, <laughs> Go Ahead, uh, Lesbian, etc. And um, uh, you get uh, free shipping and a free extra gift so essential I can barely stand to mention it. So use that offer code Jamel at adamandeve.com today. You can even do it mobile. So check them out. And uh, our fine sponsor, uh, Blickman Engineering. Check them out. Uh, good stuff. And... Uh, Until then, uh, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong.